Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours. Thanks for spending some of your morning here with Trent and myself as we will talk sports with you. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Uh, Dave Sproul, our friend from Ames, KASI, the Cyclones play, and they will, on KASI. This uh, throwing a salt in your wound there this morning, TC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Iowa State with, uh, plays at KS, KASI. Dave Sproul will join us. There was a Zoom uh, with Matt Campbell uh, after we got off the air with Dave last week, so we'll recap that. Jamie Pollard has a Zoom call scheduled for 1 o'clock today. I'm assuming we'll hear some logistics, some particulars as to how many people uh, will be allowed into Jack Trump. One week from Saturday, maybe tailgating uh, guidelines laid out. We will hear from Jamie Pollard at 1 o'clock. We will have, speculate with Dave Sproul uh, at 10.30 and look at the team overall. Uh, what we've learned since the last time we spoke is we're at that point two a days with our friend Dave Sproul. Cody Goodwin writes for the Des Moines Register. He covers high school sports. He was at Roosevelt Valley on uh, opening night of the season. Roosevelt hanging around the Rough Riders. Coach Moore had the team playing well, but Valley pulled away at the end. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the uh, transfers that were denied pretty late in the process. Uh, but to see if there's any wiggle room there. There may be a whole list of schools joining the we're not playing after this week mm-hmm. list. Uh, as Iowa City schools, I would have to think that um, similar to Des Moines public schools are hoping for a reprieve from the governor, a ruling from a judge. You're going to need something. Because as it sits right now, this is going to be it. This, this is it for them, yeah. And uh, we saw that Friday night, a f- number of teams that decided to have their senior night mm-hmm. on the first night out just because we don't know after this week what it's going to entail. Roosevelt really, will this week. Yeah. We, they and play the, East, right? I think they do. East. Those are the two biggest school districts that are dealing with this. Of course, Iowa City and Des Moines, yeah. but there's others out there. Ames, uh, the continued change. And the numbers, Iowa City and Ames. <laughs> Uh, number two for Iowa City, number one for Ames. So Ames does have Iowa City beat on that aspect. So far, I mean, somebody's pointed out on Twitter, and it kind of got, I kind of started to smile a little bit, then it turned into a frown. I guess that is this year's Cyhawk, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, it's funny, it was witty, but at the same time, it's you're talking about a. Uh, a disease and right. the fact that one of the two schools in the Seahawks won't be playing football uh, this fall. And then Scott Dockerman, speaking of Iowa, uh, he will join us, but he's going to be moving over. He's going to be doing more Iowa State, uh, and we'll talk mm-hmm. to him about that. He already has, uh, as there won't be any Hawkeye football until who knows when, uh, seeming more more likely that uh, January uh, is indeed the target date, but we shall see. Lots to get to. Baseball trade deadline. The Padres seemingly have uh, turned over their entire roster in what was a pretty good baseball team. Trent, it's just unbelievable. Transactions just flying out of them. I mean, look, at they're I could probably say this about everybody. They're all looking up at the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Padres... On 117 win pace, the Dodgers, by the way. Are they really? Yeah, I did that math this morning. Uh, What are your twins, by the way? Yikes. 
Five straight losses, get swept by the Tigers. They've now been swept by the Royals mm-hmm. and the Tigers this year. And here come the White Sox for a three-game set starting tonight with Giolito. If you would have told me either of those things before the year, there's no way it would have been. Yeah. Royals are a pesky team, Trent. They are. And the Tigers. Tigers have a chance to the playoffs. They I don't do. think it's highly realistic, but... They'd they have, to catch have the sixteen. So right now the Jays are the eight seed. They have they're eighteen. Yeah, you know what? They're hanging in there. They Detroit's five hundred sixteen up and sixteen down. Eight teams are going to get in. First and second place team in the three divisions, and then the uh, next two best records will take seed seventh and eight in both leagues. So, hey, speaking of that, yep. so. At the beginning of this, when this came out, the day, the opening day, <laughs> right? We got the the doubleheader of games that Thursday, and oh, by the way, we're, we're going to expand changed. this out, and here's uh, we're going to actually do an eight team bracket in each league. Sixteen teams will make the playoffs. At the time, I remember seeing something where the top seed will get their choice of the wild card teams of who they're going to play. Since then, no, it's been nothing. I think that went away. But that went away? Okay. Trent, there's been, there were so many different variations of how this playoffs were going to look like. Yeah. I mean, as, as you mentioned, right up until opening day is when they finally settled on the format that they're going to go through or go with. So we're a month away. In fact, yesterday was four weeks away from the end of the regular season, September the 27th. So there's four weeks left of baseball. It's been great. It, it has been great. It's been exciting, and it's been... There is a part of that, though, that my freakout factor would be a lot more if the Twins went still going to make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. coupled with this playoff structure, it's a three-game series, all played, quote-unquote, on the road. Right. But if they bubble this thing up, right. and the continued speculation I don't think it is, matters if it's a bubble or on the road. I mean, there's no fans. Right, but you, still the travel that's involved, you still have to do that. And you're playing in your home ballpark where... You know the dimensions, you know everything a little bit more. There is a a little bit of advantage of playing in your home ballpark, which will be taken away because the American League, apparently what they're going to do is send them out to Southern California, Mm -hmm. play in Petco in San Diego, play in Dodger Stadium. Those would be the two ballparks for the American League. It's Texas for the National. Yeah, which would be Houston and Arlington Uh for those two. Now, are they just doing that just so there isn't any home field advantage for... No, I think it's precautionary. No, no, no. I'm speaking... Oh, I see. Why Flipping them around? The I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to, I see you. Yep. To the Dodger Stadium and to the, Petco. Uh, the answer to your question would be, and I don't know the answer, but I certainly think you're on the right track. Yeah. That, that, that's the only thing that makes sense is uh-huh. saying flip-flop it that way and making a true neutral environment uh-huh. when you're going in that direction. But if, if the Twins were going through this and now they're looking up and they're two games back in the standings. And, they would have Oakland. They'd be out. They'd be out with the structure right now, and I'd be freaking out more, but... The Tigers aren't going to catch them. They're no. still going to be a playoff team. And, and regardless if it's the Rays or if it's the A's uh-huh. in the first round, it doesn't intimidate you the same way that the Yankees did. No. That'd be another part you. of it. If the Rays weren't playing so ridiculous, mm-hmm. I'd probably be freaking out more about this too. But they can't hit left-handers. I don't know why. This is a team that hit, had historical offensive numbers a year ago. And now that team's the White Sox. And now they can't do anything. They can't do anything. They have six guys in their lineup right now that cannot hit left-handers. Max Kepler's a lefty, you expect that. Mm-hmm. But up and down the lineup, guys that have absolutely mashed against lefties in the past, they've been bad. There's no power. The power of the Bomba squad that we saw a year ago isn't there. Injuries are apart. Buxton's been hurt. Well, you Imagine. anticipate that. <laughs> Donaldson's been hurt. Well, kind of another guy you yeah. anticipate is going to be hurt. They've been banged up, but this is not the team they anticipated that I was going to see. They can turn around. They beat up Giolito back in the first start way back a month ago. They get him tonight. And they'll get him tonight. And then from there, I, the Tigers next weekend, they're going to be throwing a couple more lefties against him. they got to figure that out. And the Twins, 
they don't have to go out there and make any kind of blockbuster. They need a right-handed bat, though. That's what they need to do. A guy. I heard they're sniffing around pitching. They are, yeah, and they're looking for that top-level pitching to come in. Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn doesn't want to come to Minnesota. His time there in Minnesota wasn't very good. And though the manager's different, the front office is still the same. Mm-hmm. I don't see that. One I didn't happening. realize there was a yeah a rift. There was a schism. Yeah. Uh, they tried to reach out to Cincinnati about Trevor Bauer, but all of a sudden Cincinnati says Trevor Bauer's going to win the Cy Young in the National League. Well, he was until this weekend when the Cubs got to him a little bit. And then we talk about still the Twins are record wise a good baseball team. Uh-huh. And then you look over the National League. There's only four teams with a winning record. Four teams <laughs> in the whole league. We're going to be talking about those wild cards are going to be. 27 and 33, 25 and 35 might get you in. That's how bad it is over there after the first couple of teams you know in the what, National let, League. Let me, let me look at that real. Let me find the seven and eight seeds right now. The seven and eight seeds, the seven seed would be Colorado. They're 17 and 17. Mm-hmm. The next would be, I guess you go by percentage right now, and that would be the Phillies, and they're a game below 500 of 14 up and 15 down. Them and the, the Marlins yeah, have Marlins? the same record. And yeah, the Brewers would be basically a half game out from that position, and the Cardinals are right there too. Jeez. But we're talking under 500 teams here. It's the Dodgers and everybody else. I mean, how big is that gap mm. between them and everybody else in that league? Uh, massive. Yes. Massive. And I haven't seen much Dodger baseball this year. It's well, just, it's hard to. I mean, it is. You, don't, you won't see any of the teams that we get on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the no Cardinals, no Brewers, no Cubs, unless they get a nationally televised game, which they will. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be the only opportunity to see them. I mean, it's it's good and bad, right? It's bad for that reason, but it's good that you don't have to stay up until 10 o'clock, although you like it, uh, <laughs> to see the Twins go at one of those West, I do. West I do. Coast teams. Anyways, um, I didn't watch as much as I thought I would, and I'm talking about college football. The curtain went up on college football. Mm-hmm. Central Arkansas, Austin P. the first play of the game was certainly uh, one that, uh, you know, maybe the most memorable play of the entire game. I couldn't get into it like I thought I would, and I think it was probably a combination of reasons. A, I know Central Arkansas is going to be on a couple more times, mm-hmm. um, including one coming up relatively soon, right? Uh, yeah, don't they play Thursday? Against, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think but, they, but they turn around really quickly. Right. Uh, yeah, they play uh, UAB, UAB Thursday on ESPN something. Uh, you're, you're 100% right. Uh, and then Austin P. I I mean, you won't watch those, so... I tried, uh, but there's playoff basketball, mm-hmm. playoff hockey. Uh, was there a baseball game with one of the local teams at night? When did the when did the uh, Reds and the Cubbies play? I think they played at night. Yeah, they did. Or no, they played at three o'clock. Are they, was that the doubleheader? Double day? Header that was day, a double yeah. dip yeah, day. That yeah, header. that was right. Yep. That was a doubleheader day. Uh, Craig Kimball had a chance to come mm-hmm. in and didn't go well. Uh, for Craig Kimbrell. So uh, the Reds had an opportunity to make up some ground on the Cubs, but the Cubs held serve. The Indians and the Cardinals were going after each other. Crazy ending on one of the games when Yadi Molina was picked off, for crying out loud. He thought the ball was foul, and what is he doing? I mean, this is a veteran player. I mean, look, everybody makes mistakes, mm-hmm. but that one's going to come back to bite. Uh, the uh, best series in basketball, I think, is the team that features the two Cyclones going head-to-head, Niang and Morris and their respective teams, and they will play a game seven, Denver and Utah. Uh, NBA-wise, I thought that yesterday when I settled into my chair to watch the Raptors and the Celtics that I was going to be thoroughly entertained. I was thoroughly disappointed uh, in the outcome of that game. Not that it was, I mean, I look, do I want the Raptors to win? Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. But it was, there was 
never any drama in the entire game trend. It was, for the most part, 10, 15, 18-point lead the entire time. So I didn't get into that one until late. and I was, You didn't miss anything. I was just waiting for that run. You know, for fourth quarter, you see that. So every, just, every game makes one. It never yeah. came. They never could get over a hump. Van Fleet was terrible. Yeah, he wasn't alone. And Nobi couldn't shoot. Mm. It, it was just on and on and on. It was one of those games for the Raptors where you chalk it up. It's not your day. Right. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to have that comeback and, and make it a game. But, yeah, I was right there with you. I thought we were going to see not an epic game one, but a good solid game. We want to kind of see where these teams are. Now, do you buy in that the Celtics are that much better, or do you just chalk it up to what I said? It's just well, a bad I want to sure. chalk it up to just what you said, but um, boy, oh boy, I mean, with Tatum, you know who's really good? And I wasn't sure what kind of NBA career he's going to have. Uh, Marcus Smart. He's a he's he's a good player. Well, I mean, he's a plus defender. Yeah, for sure. Right, and he had he poured in twenty one yesterday, mm-hmm. Trent. I mean, he had it going offensively yesterday. He's so. also a guy, though, when it's not going offensively, he's still going to get his shots. Uh-huh. And, and those those are the kind of games where yeah. what are you doing? Are you, right, because he's not certainly a great shooter by any means, but he can fill it up. He can get uh-huh. hot at times. But what he is that plus side defensively that he is, he's yeah one of those weird guys. How does he translate? Well, because he's so tough, and he's going to get up, mm-hmm. and he's going to guard, and he's going to do those kind of things. He's going to get there. And this, this Thice guy, Tice? Yeah, yeah. Where, where do they find these guys? I don't know. It's just, inc- we're not talking about, of course, the guys we know that are taking you know, the lottery, mm-hmm. the NBA, and all right, here comes this European. These guys just seemingly fall out of the air, and then they're really, really good players. Jokic is a little bit different for the Nuggets. I mean, yeah. this guy that kind of was coming on, and you saw that right away with him, but... Seemingly, you turn on an NBA game, and there's just some random European, never heard of, of course, don't have that background. Oh, yeah, I remember this guy randomly at SMU the year they made the turn. There's none of that, and they all turn out to be, not all, but a lot of them just turn out to be really, really good players. I was impressed the little bit that I saw of him yesterday. Well, he didn't miss too much. Again, there was not a lot in that one. All right, so let's go back to Friday night. Uh, We'll save the the NHL for uh, at some point. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it was good. I enjoyed it. I uh, watched um, most of the games this past weekend. Uh, But I want to go to Friday night, and I want to go with the ineligible rulings that came down. Yeah. And specifically when they came down. It seemed awfully late in the process that um, a couple of these guys, I guess Southeast Polkett alignment, of course we know that the Ankeny Hawks game you did, you had Hawks-Jags on Friday night. That wasn't much of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ankeny Hawks have really seemed to have a leg up on that town now. Uh, it is an Ankeny Hawk town this year. I mean, the basketball's been good. The mm-hmm. baseball's been good. Now the football's off to a terrific start. But it could have been a better start. Um because they had a um, a transfer ruled ineligible at the very last minute. Yeah, Arlen Bruce, uh, a kid that comes up. Now, for... what position is he going to play? In college, he'll be a slot receiver. Okay. And when he was in Kansas City at his high school, they used him a little bit of everything. Uh-huh. You know, they put him in jet sweeps and they do that. So I think he had big yardage he, totals. He rushing. really did. He yeah. ran the ball incredibly well. But in the next level, he translates to be a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. He is the Tyrone Tracy, the heir apparent okay. to Tyrone Tracy uh, with what I was doing now offensively. That That is what he's looked at. And seeing him in the sidelines, not a big guy. He's 5'10. Yeah. He's not well, I saw tall. a picture of him and Breck side by side. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pretty significant. There's a huge difference, difference right. between those two guys. Now, by but, the way, Brecht was, I mean, he was unguardable. Well, and first play of the game, he puts it on the turf. 
It's uh Oh, did he? Scoop and score for Centennial. Those are the only points oh, of the night. No, that's not what For the Jags, yeah. They they put him in the backfield, handed him the ball, and looked like he didn't even know he was coming to him. It looked like a kind of a read option type of play. Uh-huh. He just put it on the turf. Wow. It was scooped up and went the other way. And the next play, they get the ball right back. He doesn't block. Like, oh, boy. And then all of a sudden, he, oh, yeah, kind of woke up a little yeah, bit. They got, said, him, they, they got him the football. Yeah. and A couple of touchdowns, made a tough catch over the middle. He's going to be a really, really nice player if baseball is what he ultimately decides to do. That's a, a conversation on the side. Back to Arlen Bruce, though. So what, I mean, I know that social distancing and everything, and you mm-hmm. probably can't talk to all the people before the game normally that you would have. Yep. But what was kind of the feeling at that football game when it became apparent that, uh, that he wasn't going to play and wasn't going to win an appeal quickly? A lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of frustration. This is a young man that seemingly did it right. And they knew the rules in place that mm-hmm. his two younger brothers, if they didn't move up to Ankeny with them, Basically had to give up the guardianship and did. Mm-hmm. His mother did well, that's that. That's a paper move only, yeah. but sure. But did that to to their uncle, and, uh-huh. and that's the way it is. And they're staying down in Kansas City. Seemingly did everything right. Had residency. Everything was established there. And you look at the way that things are written and reading through it. They checked every box? It looks that way. So what is it? Is it just Tom Keating says, I'm going to rule with an iron fist here? Why does Arlen Bruce not able to play, but we see Jake Rubley playing for mm-hmm. Valley? Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Did, entire, did Rubley's entire family move? That would be the guess. Uh-huh. Is that well, but, Cody Goodwin going to join us and pro- yeah. shed more light on that at 11.05? But you look at it, and, and again, it, it creates one of those, well, maybe it's different. I don't know the financial situation of the Bruce family compared to what the Rubley situation is, but maybe it's financially easier for mm-hmm. the Rubleys just to do just that. Go back to that Denver Post article that said, there's some a business opportunity. business opportunities right. here. Are there business opportunities for Arlen Bruce's mother. We don't know her whole family uh-huh. and able to make this work or to make this work. And we're gonna he wants to play a senior year. We're gonna do this and we we think this is best for our son. And Tom Keating says no. So what? And the Iowa High School Athletics Association says no because the whole family doesn't come. Mm. What about this, Trent? And, and I wonder if this has been looked at, speculated about, talked about it in any way. So 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 Bruce comes up here. He enrolls, mom's with him, they mm-hmm. check those boxes, they get to Christmas, and they take the they they take their exams before they, you know, call it a uh call it a first semester. Do they have to stay? Do they have to re enroll in January and go back to school and actually graduate and walk with, in his case, the Ankeny Hawk program? Because if they don't good for you, Tom Keating. If they do have to stay then I think they're making a mistake. I don't think that they should open any pathway to a kid transferring up just for football, and he's here September, October, November, takes his exams before Christmas, and boom, the family's back in Kansas City. His circumstances are different because he's graduating Not just him, anybody. And enrolling at Iowa. So leaving him aside and just... Taking player X that is doing well, that. Well, player exact X might be Southeast Polk's yeah. kid from Illinois who got ruled ineligible, right? So, in order for that to to go down, I don't think it can just be for football. I, you hear stories all the time of kids that move school districts for a myriad of different reasons. Should they be ineligible? Move school districts or move school within the state? Well, or or out. I, I just I, I find it difficult. We don't know the circumstances behind it. We don't know everything that goes into this. Well, it's a this. football and circumstance, first it is. and foremost. It is. Is that a bad thing? He's well, a football it depends, player. It depends if you ask the kid whose position that he took. Yeah. 
I, I don't worry about those kids. Uh-huh. Be better. Bad things happen. Right. I mean, I think we've all talked to that guy that said he, if he just would have got his opportunity, he would have played. Well, he didn't. Mm-hmm. It, it's the reality. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't have much. So if somebody comes in and transfers and say it's Rubley, we'll use him, mm-hmm. and the family goes back to to Denver yeah. right after, right before Christmas, they pack up and they go back home. And Valley's won the state championship mm-hmm. with him at quarterback. Yeah. Is that legit? Yes. You think it is? Yeah. That they're here are, are only... Dowling, were Dowling State Championships with Rico Gavert? Did he go the entire year? Yes, I believe so. There you go. So that's what you want. I do. You, you want to be locked into a yes. school regardless. Yes. If you're going to go to school, you start and you end the year. You don't bail halfway to go back because that tells us that you were... You know, manipulating the system a little bit. That's me. Maybe I'm get off my lawn, 61-year-old Ken, right? <laughs> uh, but that seems to, I mean, have a little bit of common sense. It no? does, yeah. It, it certainly is common sense. But also the common sense is this football move. I get it. And Look, football's and, over and, and in This November. is an entirely different year than any mm-hmm. other year we're ever going to have. I totally put that uh, check mark on that side of the ledger. Get I, it. I, I completely get where you're coming from, though. You're going to start it, end it in the Finish same it. school district. Walk with your kids at graduation. Mm-hmm. Go to prom. Well, you don't have to go to prom. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Right. It just doesn't feel like... Mm, I don't know. And there's a bunch of them. Now, I don't know how many kids were ruled ineligible at the last minute. We know that uh, Bruce and Ankeny... I think Tommy Birch was covering... I know he covered a game. Did he have a game that had Southeast Polk in it or not? I'm not 100% sure, but I think he tweeted it. Uh, that there was a player, an lineman. Did you see that? The lineman. I, didn't, uh. I think Birchie tweeted it. Um, and there's another kid, the kid that does recruiting for the Redshirt, Matthew. Matthew Bain. Matthew Bain. Mm-hmm. Might have come from him. Uh, let's get Brian in here. We're going to hear from Cody Goodwin on high school football and uh, coming up here at 11.05. Dave Sproul and I was state bottom of the hour. Uh, Scott Dockerman about an hour away from the athletic. Hello, Brian. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, I, have, I have a couple pieces of information as a longtime retired coach I can throw out there. There's two. Basically, what you're talking about here is two rules. One is the open enrollment rule, and the other is transfer rule. And both of them are the enforcement of what you're talking about. A student that transfers only for a specific sport is supposed to be controlled by the incoming school district. They're supposed to enforce it themselves. So consequently, some do, some don't. I know my last teaching and coaching position in another part of the state, there was a player that contacted me and said that that, that player said what they wanted to transfer to my school district. At that point, all I can do is say, you can't talk to me about this. You have to go mm-hmm. to the administration. Mm-hmm. And um, it then becomes a question of whether or not the two administrations will allow her. The outgoing administration, they would not okay it. Why? Because it was specifically for a sport. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it's supposed to be enforced. However, when you got a kid coming from out of state, how are you going to enforce that? I I agree with, uh, I don't know which one of you gentlemen is is saying that uh, you shouldn't be allowed. This is not supposed to be happening, Mm -hmm. but it does. And it's because it's left to each individual school district to police themselves. And that's going to be, what, 300 and 300 some different school districts 
choosing to de- de- decide it themselves the way they going to decide it, whether it's going to help them or not, whether it's going to hurt them or not. And so consequently, that's why there's all kinds of differences. And let's be honest, you've got a kid that's a uh, D1 uh, level kid. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of school districts going to take advantage of that and let that kid play, regardless of the fact that may, they may not even be actually leaving the home from one part of Des Moines to another, just a, a mailbox. Right. Right. I've, I've heard that. Yeah. Sure. And there's been Brian, a lot thanks of for stories. the call. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, the, the stories of you just put a P.O. box in mm-hmm. whatever school district you're looking for, and you go that direction. There's so many different things. And hearing the stories of young men you know, making the, the transfer their senior year, whatever it may be, inside of our, our borders, inside central Iowa, if you will, and that can rub some people the wrong way. Ultimately, what, what is the goal of high school sports? Teamwork. T- teach, teach life teach. lessons. Yeah. Right. Pretty good life lessons being learned here for the young man that lost his starting spot. It's a life lesson. It's a tough one. It's a right, tough one, right? But things aren't handed to you, mm-hmm. and there's going to be somebody but better. What out about there. what about the life the life lesson? And <laughs> look, it happens every day of, of pushing the envelope, taking liberties with with some rules. Mm-hmm. If if they come in and they stay the entire year, I think it's great. Let them play. Let them play. And there was more. Let them play on Friday night on Twitter. But if they come in. And they don't even make it until Christmas, and they're back in their hometown, wherever that may be. It just doesn't pass the smell test to me. What's best for the kid? That's what I always come back to. It's it's ultimately about the student mm-hmm. and the students in in general. Is this the best thing for Arlen Bruce? Is this the best thing for McCullough, who's the third wide receiver for Ankeny? Well, you can make the argument for him. He had a nice night on Friday night. I mean, he's their third receiver, and, and he's a really good player. It, it's not like Arlen Bruce, I don't think, is going to be the difference between Ankeny and being a team that can make a run to the Unidome and not. Well, who's, the, who's the running back? What, what kind of what kind he, of He's a, a bigger kind of running back. Yeah. Had 1,000 yards last year. He's a nice player, too. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fine offensively. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in really good shape there. This Ankeny team, I walked away incredibly impressed. I don't think this is the difference between them being a state championship team and just getting to the final eight, something like that. They're good enough even without Arlen Bruce. It, him aside, what's but they're best better with him. They are better with him. <laughs> right. But what's best for the student? He did everything that he was asked. Uh-huh. He did everything that you would think to make him but eligible. They bending the rules, and are we teaching them right away that you know what? You can bend the rules and you can buy life. And a lot of people do. It's a real a life lesson. Very, though, it right? is. No, it absolutely is. No question about that. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. It, it's a difficult question that really doesn't have a a full answer. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the if Tom Keating, who I don't think is doing any more media, mm-hmm. seemingly. Yeah, we talked to him what a week or two ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I wonder if they've got a plan in place. I mean, can you vacate it? if they finally wins the title, the state title? Can you vacate it because the Rubies skedaddle back home? No. But would would there should there be? A rule in place before the season starts that we know that? So a kid's family, team wins a state championship. Ankeny basketball won a state championship. Mm -hmm. And a a kid's parent got a job and they had to leave. They had to vacate that? Well, I mean, that's what you're putting in place. No, no, no. But that's a little different. That was pre-pandemic. And this kid, the the Ankeny State Basketball Championship, they they were in school the entire year. 
But if you're not going to stay can't in put school, that, you can't put that rule in place. Why not? If anybody, if any kid has to leave the school district after winning a state championship, well, no, vacated? no, no, no. That, did he start school here? Was he a was he a freshman, junior, sophomore, junior? Well, now you're you're putting these rules in place that don't have. Let's it just say it seems like a hit and run, Trent. That they're they're coming it is, in. It is. It is absolutely is a hit and run. But that's the reality of the situation. That's what it is. Okay. I don't like it. I know you don't like it, but you can't put these special rules in place because of this. Well, it is. It, look, it, it, the circumstances are, they are what they are, right? We're in a pandemic. We are. And they're not playing football in those states that those kids came in for. And if there would have been football there, they would have stayed there. Mm-hmm. So it's giving an opportunity to play. I like that part about it. But if they're going to take that opportunity, this is from my, this is my take, they should have to stay the entire year. Period. Step down next case. <laughs> I think we found the air of parents of Tom Keating and Boone. Can you make the drive to Boone every day? Uh, no. Well, he works out of Cedar Rapids. You he does, be, yeah. He you may be able to work out Ankeny. That's right, he does, because he was yeah. uh, the storm got him. Yes. Uh, Kex and Owen Iheart want to help you pay your bills. Text the keyword home. <laughs> oh, boy. How about that? Uh, home to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. Home to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Iowa State conversation coming up next with Dave Sproul from KASI 1430 in Ames. We look forward to speaking with him about that. Uh, we've got Cody Goodwin coming up, uh, covers high school sports for the Des Moines Register. And Scott Dockerman covers the Hawks, at least for now, and the Big Ten for the Athletic. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Testimonial. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Take you until noon. Uh, 11.05, Cody Goodwin covers Iowa, uh, covers Iowa State, covers Iowa High School sports from the Des Moines Register. He'll join us. A Hawkeye conversation in about 45 minutes or thereabouts with Scott Dockerman. Right now, Dave Sproul back with us. We are on the precipice of college football in Ames. Uh, we may, sometime this week, find out a kickoff Time. Yeah, I thought I was, maybe we might get it yesterday. I was right there with you. Yeah. I was waiting anxiously to get that press release or at least see it come across Twitter and never did. I was surprised too. Dave Sproul is going to help us out with that, but we got to talk about the game that he had on Friday night. <laughs> My goodness. Holy mackerel. Dave, Arena what time score. What time did you get back to Ames after an 8154 <laughs> Dodger victory over the Little Cyclones? That is a, a long ride back after a, a long, long night of football. What did it take to get you back to Ames? Uh, I think it was around midnight when I got oh back home. Uh, it's about an hour, a little more than that, uh, from here to Fort Dodge to begin with. And by the time we get everything packed up and ready to go, uh-huh. it's 11 o'clock. And it, it was it was a late night. There was a lot going on. It was a lot of fun, actually, to, to announce that game because I'm a big fan of lots of touchdowns and high scoring and all that. And at, at some point, though, it was just kind of ridiculous. 81-54. I've had those games. I'm going to guess, Dave, not a real long post game after that one. <laughs> Not not terribly long. I mean, uh, what can you say? Well, our defense was not so great, and yeah. offense was yeah okay. I guess yeah yeah. It was, uh, it was there's so much only so much you can say about a game like that where it's just just crazy, and it went off the rails from the start too. 
Mm. Eight touchdowns for Taman Lipsy. Now, we know him as a basketball player. Didn't play last season. Had, what, a torn ACL? Is that what it was that kept him out last season? He's a top 100 yep. basketball recruit, but pretty good on the football field, huh? Just eight touchdowns? Jeez. Yeah, some of that athletic ability on the court <laughs> seems to translate yeah. to... Uh, and they got the, beat. Oh, yeah, the, <laughs> the, uh, the highlight for me with, with him was a play with down close to the goal line, and the snap went about five feet over his head, and he had to run back, make an over-the-shoulder grab on, uh, to catch the, the snap, and just kept going and rolled out as he did and looks in the end zone. He finds open man and, and just dumps it to him uh, there in a little pocket in the end zone. I mean, that, that's just the kind of amazing athlete he is. And He would have had one more touchdown, but he was stopped inches short of the goal line on the last play of the first half. Jeez, that's unbelievable. 130-something points. Did we have a correspondent there, I wonder, at Football Friday? I don't know. I don't... Wouldn't you just get to a point where you stop calling? Right. <laughs> Wait for every third touchdown. Right. Unbelievable. Well, Dave Sprouse with us, and uh, uh, glad you recapped that with us, Dave. Uh, 130-something points. Anyways, I hope you didn't do the run down the scoring at the end of the game. He wouldn't have got home till 1 o'clock, for I, crying out loud. I, I, I tried. I tried. I just kept it to the second half after halftime. Gotcha. Well, let's get to the uh, here now, and that's Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State, you you had uh, Coach Campbell, part of a Zoom on Friday. Jamie Pollard coming up in two and a half hours. Let's speculate on that before we find out what was said on Friday. I have to assume, and I've seen um, nothing uh, as to what these uh, subjects will be addressed with Pollard at 1 o'clock, but uh, I'm guessing attendance, are they going to stay with that number? Uh, Maybe uh, tailgating guidelines. What do you anticipate that Jamie Pollard is going to share with the media, uh, yourself included, at one o'clock, Dave? Yeah, I think most likely it will be attendance related, and it's hard to imagine they're going to stick at fifty percent capacity after the, the numbers we've seen in the past week, and right. you know the New York Times pegging the the growth here at Ames. Then their numbers were based on the entire Story County population, but they pegged Ames as the number one, you know, in the nation in terms of growth in the number of cases per capita. Uh, in light of that, it's really it might be kind of a hard sell to to come out and say, yeah, well, we're just going to stay at fifty percent and and see how it goes. So they, I wouldn't be surprised if the cut back on the attendance figures a little bit, and maybe we'll get an update as to how many uh, COVID nineteen cases have been confirmed uh, among the athletic teams in mm-hmm. Iowa State within the athletic department. Uh, when uh, Matt Campbell was on a Zoom call Friday, he put it at minimal. He didn't give a number on it. He just said it's a minimal number of, of COVID-19 uh, cases on the football team at the moment. And that, you know, for the most part, he felt that was going well. But that's only part of the story when it comes to the athletic department as a whole. Dave, what's it like around campus now? As we're in the middle of this, the students have been back for a few weeks. And as you're living your day-to-day life in Ames, just how different is it? And, and how concerned is the general population up there in Ames with the numbers we're continuing to see? Uh, I think there is some concern, obviously. I mean, it's understandable uh, when those kind of numbers come out. I, I don't know if I could give you much of a vibe around campus because I go about three places, work, the grocery store, <laughs> and, you know, I might cruise around on my bike a little bit around town, but mm-hmm. I really uh, have stayed away from most anywhere uh, large groups of people can get together, especially if, around uh, the campus area. Um, so, Maybe that puts me a little out of touch, but it also keeps me safe. So I'm, I have no regrets on that front. But hopefully people are getting the message. I think the grown-ups, quote-unquote, for the most part, are getting the message. It's really hard with college students. So sure is. I think with athletes, they're gonna, yeah, they're getting the message. They know they have something uh, at stake that is greater than just your everyday going to class, going to work kind of deal. 
whereas, you know, they only get a limited window in which to participate in collegiate athletics. And so it hits home with them, I'm sure, harder than it does with the general population who's like, hey, we're here to party and enjoy college, and we only get four years to do that, so we're going to party as much as we can. Uh, and, uh, you know, they don't really maybe think about the other effects that those actions can have. Mm-hmm. Well, to Friday's Zoom call, and I guess you're, you're, you're maybe one or two of the main takeaways uh, from that press conference would be what, Dave? Uh, one of the big takeaways, of course, would be the social justice discussions that have been spilling over into sports and, mm-hmm. you know, really took center stage last week at, at the highest levels of the NBA, Major League Baseball, even the NHL, which is a place I maybe I'm stereotyping, but wouldn't expect that to really trickle down to. But uh, both uh, Lawrence White, one of the defensive backs, and Xavier Hutchinson, a receiver, who were part of that call along with Coach Campbell, uh, talked about, you know, they've, they've talked about these these topics within the team and amongst each other and in an organized kind of fashion. And Matt Campbell talked about how they, you know, one of the things that they were really doing to, to put their words in action is to get everybody registered to vote. And he said they expect, expect everybody on the team to get their registration uh, for voting completed by the end of this week. So that's, that's a big step forward for them. Uh, there was, there was some hints maybe from, from Lawrence White in particular that, we might see some kind of public demonstration. Mm-hmm. He didn't really give too much away uh, because he, he, they, he said they wanted to keep, you know, the discussions about that front kind of within the walls until it actually is time. But I, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe I'm reading between the lines more than I should, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of public demonstration. Maybe we saw in that uh, central Arkansas um Austin P game, you know, uh, the central Arkansas, everybody on their sideline raising fists before yeah. The game you could you can imagine something like that happening in, in college football games across the country, really. Um, so we'll see if that if something like that does crop up at, at Iowa State when that first game comes around next Saturday. I'm glad you brought up Lawrence White because it seems like he's really taking a leadership role. And you know, uh, for whatever reason, maybe maybe I'm just the only one guilty of it. When you talk about that, what we think is a really good defense um, at, at Iowa State, we talk about the you know the front seven, and we we throw Eisworth into the mix, and Trent and I are both high on Tavon Kyle. We think is going to be a really good player, but for whatever reason, Lawrence White, who's playing his final season in Ames, um, maybe doesn't get the accolades he deserves, and he's certainly taken. A leadership role, and I believe that Coach Campbell, uh, from reading between the lines, has uh, is welcoming that leadership role that Lawrence White is uh, putting himself in. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, and White talked a bit on that Zoom call Friday about what he's learned from Greg Eisworth and how he's matured under his tutelage. And now White is in that position where he uh, is a senior leader, and guys are going to be looking to him now. Uh, for leadership and to set an example, and he seems to be taking that uh, uh, quite seriously. He's also a criminal justice major at Iowa State, and you know he's talked about two finding solutions on the social justice front in his hometown of Bakersfield, California. So he's showing a lot of maturity on and off the the, the field, and uh, he, he's a guy I'm sure that will be leaned on. He really established himself, I think, last year as as a solid mm-hmm. defensive player. I don't know if he's going to be all conference or anything like that, but. He's a guy they, they have been relying on and, and will continue to do so going into this season. Offensive line remains, I think, the biggest question with this team. Of course, we know Colin Newell and Trevor Downing, who's seen plenty of playing time. But outside of that, the great unknown, Joey Ramos, feels like they've been talking about him for three years. He's still just a redshirt sophomore. But that's another name that's been out there a whole lot. What did Coach Campbell have to say about the offensive line and their development here during camp? 
Yeah, he didn't. He didn't really commit to anything on the in terms of a depth chart or starters, but mm-hmm. beyond the two guys you mentioned, and, and then I was surprised he didn't maybe talk more about Ramos because he did get a little experience the last couple seasons, and he's a guy like you said who's been getting a lot of talk as as one of the future stars of the offensive line. So, and I don't know if that's necessarily a knock on him or just an acknowledgement that the, you know, the the competition continues and there's a lot to be sorted out. Uh, for the three other starting positions on that line. So that's a work in progress, and Coach Campbell's not the kind to tip his hand unless he absolutely has to or is absolutely certain that he knows who's going to start. And at this point, uh, the three of the five spots on the offensive line are still up in the air. Mm. Uh, Travis Hines wrote about this. I think it's a really good topic uh, as far as when do you think we're going to see we, uh, certainly the, the football, the team will know before us and the school will, but when do you think they'll come go public with guidelines on to what is going to bring about a cancellation as far as number of positives? Is that how they're going to do it, you think, Dave? Um, has there been any speculation as, you know, if you hit X or if it's an entire position group like we've seen in Oklahoma, like we've seen at LSU, an entire position group uh, they've had to quarantine at the same time? Don't you think that we should see some guidelines here uh, from the conference pretty soon as to how they're going to go about that? I think we should, and I think this is the week to do it because if you wait till next week, it might be too late to you know put whatever guidelines or rules you want into place. And I, I swear I saw some stuff on Twitter, some writers who are exploring this and and looking into, you know, what some of these conferences are considering. And I can't remember if that's Sports Illustrated or the Athletic or, or something like that. But there, there's been some reporting being done on this that I've seen going around today uh, that will probably know more than I would. But, you know, there, there needs to be a set of guidelines, a clear standard uh, for the Big 12, if not the other conferences, to say if you have X number of players or Y number in a position group, that can't play, then you need to, to sit out and delay the game or, heaven forbid, have a forfeit. I'm sure they'll do everything they can to, to make a make the game good down the road if they can. But uh, there needs to be a pretty clear set of guidelines, and I, I think that's something we're seeing, you know, with the Big Ten. They're not – they haven't made it clear, didn't at the outset made it clear, the reasoning behind their move to just wait, at least postpone until spring at the soonest. Uh, with the Pac-12, they set out their – you know, they're reasoning very clearly, and you haven't heard much controversy from parents and others about that decision mm-hmm. in, in in that space. So that, you know, goes back to something we talked about before. You need clear communication. You need uh, to go public and be transparent and say, here's what we expect, and here are the guidelines we're going to follow. And the sooner you get settled on that, and the more reasonable those are, and the faster everybody can implement those, the better off everybody will be. No Big Ten football this fall, so uh, well, I got to ask a Big Ten like question here: the punter situation. Last <laughs> year, we saw Corey Dunn have to sit out the year. His first uh, big appearance came again in the Seahawks game a couple years ago and struggled, but turned into a nice punter. Had the injury last year. Rivera filled in for him. Any word at all? Has there been any conversation who the front runner is going to be and, and where Dunn is on his return from the injury a year ago? Uh, we didn't get a, an injury update yet, uh, but uh, actually Coach talked about the the uh, punting uh, situation a little bit on Friday, and he, he had a lot of good things to say about Rivera and, and what he's been doing uh, to get himself into position to play and, and kind of be uh, the guy when it comes to uh, punting, uh, the guy that you know everybody wants to see on the field as little as possible, but nonetheless uh, somebody you probably are going to need to come through and make a big kick for you at some point. He feels, it, it sounds like he feels pretty confident in what Rivera 
uh, brings to the field for Iowa State in that regard. Uh, when will we find out what time the uh, next Saturday's game is, Dave? Any idea? Kind of expecting something today, and the Me day's too. not out yet, so yep. we might hear something this afternoon yet. Uh, if not, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I guess it could come any moment now between between now and you know, hopefully by the weekend, we know for sure, so everybody can make their plans. Uh, the, the farther in advance you get word about that, the better off we all are too. So we know how to set our DVRs and uh, get to the stadium and all that stuff. So uh, hopefully, I, I'm hoping by the end of the day, that's the typical window because uh, since we're less than two weeks out now, but uh, it could be maybe a little bit shorter than that as they still you know work on everything. You think. It might be easier to do the scheduling because there are going to be more open TV windows, but uh, luckily for everybody, I'm not in charge of those things. Dave, we'll talk to you on Friday. Have a wonderful week. Thank you, Dave Sproul. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Dave Sproul, KSI and Ames. Iowa State plays on KASI. Dave, oh, I forgot to ask Well, ask him Friday. Do you know who who Ames plays this week? Oh, not offhand. They gave up a... Jesus, 80-something points. Almost 500 yards rushing out of the Dodgers. 493, they averaged 12.3 yards per carry Mm. in an 81-54 Dodger win over the Little Cyclones. Let's uh, pull up the Ames schedule here. I got it here in front of me. They have Urbandale, who had a shootout of their own. They're up big against Johnson. Johnson came roaring back down, I think, 24 to take the lead in the second half, and then ultimately Urbandale got it done late in that one. A lot of great games on Friday night, and we'll get more of them this Friday. And Hoover put one in the win column. Yeah, Huskies. big times. Uh, we'll take a time out. I just see there's a piece came out. Uh, SI.com has published something along what will it take for a Big 12 game to be postponed. I don't think there's any clarity. There's just speculation uh, at this point from the writer, but uh, we should know that this week as well. Miller and Condon, till noon, come back, finish the hour. A high school football conversation to start hour number two with Cody Goodwin. Scott Dockerman is here as well. Miller and Condon till noon is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and First hour of the program, Miller and Condon till noon. Cody Goodwin coming up in about 10 minutes. Scott Darkman in about half an hour or thereabouts. You know, speaking of Iowa State as we just were, there's going to be an Iowa State sound off this year uh, down the hall, down the dial following the game. Uh, on 1040 WHO, uh, Heather Burnside and Emery Songer will host Cyclone Sound Off following each one of Iowa State's uh, games this fall. Yeah, looking forward to that yeah, right after for the Learfield coverage uh, finishes up with the post-game show. Chris Williams and others involved in that. You can jump over to WHO, just make the flip over, and you're good to go for a couple hours more of Cyclone <laughs> Talk after the 10 regular season games and a bowl game. Do you anticipate? I, I've heard not, not a peep about bowl game, other than the playoffs. Yeah. And you know what? The question I asked Bill Bender the other day, I think it's about the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is a playoff. I get it. Mm -hmm. But the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, I believe, will play in whenever (laughs) in Pasadena. I mean, I'm talking like February or March this year. So you are still on the January start, finish up, end of February, and play one other game, a bowl-type game in March sometime. For for two yeah for the for the Big Ten winner Big and the Pac twelve winner you're not of the belief that this momentum towards Thanksgiving no. lead to more momentum towards October well I'm hopeful 
But you're not optimistic. No way. No chance. I'm still optimistic. Well, I, I'm, maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, I, you're I crazy. might be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get your, why you're optimistic. Um, I'm optimistic that way. Any little nugget that I read that, Yeah. And, and you know me. I like to live in reality. <laughs> maybe this is one I'm not living in reality. It's, it cuts a little close. It does. I, I just, my Facebook memories, those pop up. I know you're not on Facebook, but popped up uh, over the weekend, a game from six years ago. It's, there was an August day. It was 2014. And who, was, who are they playing? Who are they opening the season against? It was against you and I. Okay. You know, 2014 was a pretty crappy year for Iowa football. Uh-huh. That was the year that ended with the That's Football Nebraska game. I would take that crappy year <laughs> of Iowa football right now. It's supposed to... What we have in front of us. Which is absolutely nothing. Anyways, uh, hour two coming up next. Look forward to that with the uh, Cody Goodwin and Scott Dockerman. Fun hour number one. Lots of good discussion on the high school situation. We'll have more of that coming up. Got another keyword for you as well at about 20 after 11. Miller and Condon take you until noon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.